Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. There is no place on earth too forbidding. There is no adventure too dangerous to dare. There is no dream of wealth and glory too impossible for the man who would be king. Connery and Kane. Rogue and renegade. Reckless and fearless soldiers of fortune on the richest adventure of their life. Across a thousand miles of danger, come with Sean Connery and Michael Caine as they try to capture a whole country, a scheme for rascals to become royalty in the long-lost land of Alexander the Great. Rudyard Kipling's The Man Who Would Be King. They share the treasure. They share the danger. They share the adventure. Sean Connery, Michael Caine, and Christopher Plummer in John Huston's The Man Who Would Be King. Hello and welcome to Smash Pod, a podcast celebrating all the Bond films and Bond-related films by those who enjoy, hate or are asked about them, hosted by me, John Rain. It's side special time again and this week we'll be travelling to Kafristan to see the sights, the polo, the sounds and maybe even take the whole place over. Yes, it's the man who would be king. And joining me to perform Masonic Rituals are actors Alistair Petrie and Rufus Wright back again. Hello, hello. Happily hello. so, happily so. By popular demand. That's <laughs> not true. It feels like... It feels like it should be true. Well, it feels like I only saw you guys about ten minutes ago. No. No, I, well, it feels a little longer than that, maybe <laughs> 12. Yeah, 12, yeah. 15 minutes. So the man would be king. Uh, Kafiristan, mm. just, as a, just, a, just right. a slight... Just a Kafiristan. tiny pick of Kafiristan. Kafiristan. Yeah. Um, just let's get... Because one of us had to. Yeah. I, well, I saw, I saw you bristle. Oh, I being bullied like, by... Ah, I can't we, hide yeah. it. Yeah. Send help. I'm being bullied by actors. <laughs> <laughs> the best people to bully. <laughs> yeah, a John Houston joint. Mm. Yes. I'm just glad he's not in it doing an accent. I miss John Houston's accents. Have you seen Sherlock Holmes in New York? I feel like I have. Oh, is that the time-travelling one? No, it's one with Roger Moore as Sherlock Holmes and Patrick McNeer as Watson. Well, oh, gonna, that sounds that's, amazing. That's my evening sorted. I think it's on YouTube. Uh, but, but John Houston's Moriarty, and he plays it with an Irish accent. Oh! Ah, Mr. Well, Holmes. he loved all that. He loved all that. He lived in Ireland, and he got into that. And mm. Danny Hughes, they all, grew, you know, they, all, they all sort of saying, you know, we grew up in Ireland, and mm. his dad had a whole Irish thing going on, and obviously yeah. just... Wanted to use the accent. I worked with Angelica Houston a couple of years ago. <gasps> Do tell. Uh, it was a remake of The Watcher in the Woods. Oh, Remember yes. the Bette Davis Disney yes. film from mm-hmm. 1980? 
So it was a remake directed by Melissa Joan Hart. Oh, Sabrina. Clarissa. No, Sabrina. 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 Witch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with Angelica as the, in the Bette Davis part. And Angelica was charming, really nice to work with, mm. really good fun. And, uh, uh, yeah, all that was good. In the film, she, her accent, I, this, I, obviously she's John Hewson's daughter and I was thinking about uh, accents, but her accent varied wildly. <laughs> and it sort of depended on the accent of the last person she'd spoken to in the crew. <laughs> so just before turning over, we had a, a sound guy who was um, squirts and he'd say, can I just lean in here, Angelica? Just need to put this under your collar. Hopefully the camera won't see it. I'm just going to... And she'd go, oh, yeah, yes, yeah. And action. Uh, well, if I go down <laughs> into the woods, then I'm sure I'll find... And then we were filming in Wales, so quite a lot of Welsh crew members, and say, Angelica, if you wouldn't mind uh, just taking one step to the left. She'd go, oh, okay. Yes, action. Hey, and Mrs. Aylwood, and suddenly, <laughs> so bless her heart, it's an inconsistent. And I love also that nobody, because she's a brilliant human being, mm. um, nobody would have had the courage to say to number one on the call sheet, <laughs> Angelica, yeah. um, could you do less Scottish? Yes. We're just like, we can't, we'll fix it in post. Exactly. Would but, you have done it? Would you have stood up and said, look, fuck's sake? Absolutely not. <laughs> I would have just said that's Angelica Houston. She can do what the fuck she wants because yeah. she's yeah. magic. Yeah. I did. I also sorry to sound like I'm just talking about cool jobs I like, I've done. I like you see your stories about cool jobs. You've but done, I worked so. with Brad Pitt a couple of years ago on a film called War Machine, which is on Netflix, which is a very very good film. And also, I think you worked with him on Spy Game. I did. You're right, but uh, <laughs> shared no screen time with him in Spy Game. Um, but in um, in War Machine, he's given quite a broad performance. He's doing one of his one eye closed, speaking out the side of his mouth, you know, yeah. talking like Popeye kind of yeah. thing. And it was quite tricky to fix in the edit, apparently. And uh, an actor friend of mine was out and met one of the editors in L.A. And the editor said, did no one think of saying anything to Brad on set about his performance, maybe to tone it down a bit? Actually, the performance works really well, and it's mm. a brilliant performance. But on set, it was quite kind of like, oh, oh, oh are you doing it like that? And again, you know, asking one of the one of the kind of actors lower down on the call sheet, did you not think of standing up to Brad Pitt, the, the massive movie star and co-producer of the movie and, and having a word about his performance? No, funnily enough, I didn't. <laughs> didn't think it was appropriate. Kind of liked working. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and like, to, like to make the third film with Brad Pitt. Yeah. Yeah. What is your third means. film with Brad Pitt going to be? God, that's a question. I don't know. It could easily be a remake of The Man Who Would Be King. Could. It could. Nicely segued, Al. You, you, could, yeah. you could play Billy Fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Billy the Fish. Yeah. yeah, the fish, the football. Yeah, um, yeah. So, oh, what a film this is! Though. Amazing. It is. He was going to make it. Um, one, one happy thing I, I did discover about this that, that, that John Huston wanted to make it twenty years earlier than mm. he did. Because yes. he, wanted, he did. He wanted, and also with Bogart and Gable. Yeah, um, which would have been a very different Mosian picture. Well, it's got and in black and white. It's got that Treasure of Sierra Madre feel yeah. about it, which which makes perfect sense if he wanted to make it years earlier. Mm. Um, but the casting wise, you couldn't ask. For two better leads in this in these roles, mm. really, it's, the chemistry they have, yeah. the performances they give, it's and just, it's so startlingly, uh, well, certainly in, in um, so Sean Connery's, um, you know, so startlingly different, yeah. Um, and you just feel like he's reveling in it. He's being an actor in something, and also in the middle of Morocco in the mm. Wazazat, and you know, he's not having to put on smooth, and he doesn't have to shave, and you just see him really enjoying the the ride, really. Yeah, um, and he doesn't waste. A moment of screen time because he's not a very bright character. I think it's fair mm. to say. <clears throat> Peachy's the brains, Carnahan's mm. the brains, and and Dravid is the not necessarily the muscle, but he's um, uh, he kind of carries out the Peachy's brawn. ideas. Yeah, sort of. Mm. But 
there are these moments when Peachy's talking to him saying, we need, we need to do this and we need to do that. And you can just see the cogs turning. Yeah. And you can see it in his eyes and he's playing it so beautifully, that kind mm. of like, mm, yeah, maybe if I did that and did it. And it's very, very, you know, it takes a lot not to waste mm. any screen time when you're, when you're doing that kind mm. of work. But we, we, <clears> we see beautiful scenes to open it up with the market, mm. big, big pipes. Yeah. Snake it says that in the script, big pipes. <laughs> Scorpions in the mouth, all Scorpions of that. Scorpions in the mouth. Amazing. They weren't too concerned with, um, uh, there was sort of, there was a certain lack of authenticity. It would be my only sort of top note at the beginning, bearing my where we're supposed to be, which is India. Mm. And knowing it's filmed in Morocco, there's a lot of North African extras. True. Um, but I guess maybe in those days they just went, fucking hell, they'll never know, audience-wise. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, but that, I mean, I'm sort of picking holes really in, in that. But it was, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's beautifully done. And the way that Houston sort of sets it all up is, um, is, is fantastic. Yeah. The extras in, throughout the film are, br- are brilliant, actually. Mm. But they always have this completely kind of clueless slightly terrified look about them and you just kind of had the idea that some first assistant director has been haranguing them and telling them to stand in a line and they've got no clue quite why they're there but they've been told they'll get free food and a few rupees at the end of the day or, but what you know. works what works and and this was um this was a um a gareth edwards thing on um uh, talking about uh, during rogue one that when they went to to uh Actually, I'm going to say we, when we <laughs> slash they, uh, went to the Maldives to do um, the sort of the um, stormtroopers walking through the, the, the water. Right, it was a stunning sequence, really Amazing, stunning yeah. sequence. Um, there's, there is a, a Maldives army. Um, and so they said, well, quite rightly, they wanted to hire stormtroopers that knew how to hold, hold weapons. They didn't want to have to train people up. And, you know, you can get some, say, hold a gun and they'll, they won't know mm. what to do with it. Mm. So, so they hired members of the Maldives army wow. to, to do stormtroopers, and all of whom had just having a clue what it's like. What Star Wars? What I don't know what that is. Mm. I, I, I'm a busy person. I don't have a cinema. I don't watch Star Wars. I don't know what that is. Um, but they said, put this on, put this uniform on, and hold a gun and walk through the water as though you are, you know, stalking a prey or doing whatever you do in the army. And uh, of course, it looks completely authentic. And I guess it's in the same way. There's no, it's rather wonderful. There's no questioning. There's not going, I'm not going to do that. Mm. Well, you want me to do what? So we want you literally to have a battle, but not really kill each other. And they're like, okay, that's, that's an instruction. That's what we'll do. Mm. And you get the impression that that was the, the, sort of the gravity of the situation. Like a lot of those extras in a lot of those scenes throughout, um, about, around this film, just do their thing so brilliantly. Mm. And when they, you know, they get really angry and they're genuinely yeah. angry. Yeah. It's yeah. just mm. very kind of rather wonderful. Mm. But we then meet Kipling. We do. Making exceedingly good cakes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a shame. Angel it, cake. It's a yes. big shame that he's not writing If, though, isn't it? I, I was going to say, he should have been writing He should have. He should have had a scratchy pen and the camera pans in and he's going, if you can, if you can drive your car, if you can sing a song and uh, <laughs> screwing up, throwing it in the yeah. pin, having another go, oh, that must be Rudyard Kipling. Yeah. <laughs> With Wimbledon on a telly in the corner going, God, it'd be nice to write something and put it above it anyway. Um, <laughs> but it's Christopher Plummer. It's a great Christopher yeah. Plummer. It was Kevin Spacey originally was in this, wasn't he? And then yes, he had to be removed. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's Christopher true. Plummer looking incredibly like Timothy Dalton. I realised. Yeah, yeah. Imagine Dalton with a pair of little glasses on, and you basically got Christopher Plummer in this. He's a fine actor, Christopher Plummer. Mm, so you know, good. and I know he lived under the shadow of um, of the the musical that he did. Mm, um, mm. And uh, but fine actor, and what a long distinguished career yeah. also he's one of the very few and I know he's Canadian not American but North American actors that is bloody good at doing an English accent yeah, yeah. flawless 
you sort of assume you go, you were basically brought up in England, weren't you? Mm. All of that going on. Yeah, yeah. He's also one of the very few people. He's got more hands than the older he's got. Yeah. In Knives Out, you just go, look at you, you mm. distinguished yeah, yeah. bastard. Yeah, mm. yeah. Has anyone seen Murder by Decree? No. No. It's him uh, as Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> again, doing a flawless British accent. When I, was a ki- I saw it when I was a kid and I thought he was English. Mm. James Mason as Watson. James Mason. Yes, oh, squashed good. my pee. And um, <laughs> they're doing the Jack the Ripper case. Wow. I have seen that. Mm. Yes, I have seen really that. Really good. Very, it's very good. But more flawless plumber. Um, but then someone walks into his room looking like some sort of... Michael Caine. Post-Brexit Britain victim. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Michael Caine. I'm going to say it is Michael Caine, but he sort of looks like Michael Caine. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think sort of diving within himself to it's he's just i went it's michael Caine. that's okay but uh heavy makeup job no yeah. flies on you oh wow well, <laughs> no i don't know no but there was the the hobbling was excellent yeah um but also he would have been i mean michael Caine would have been pretty young we're talking well uh, how old would he have been 1975 anyone I'd say late thirties. Okay, so mm. giving giving you know the old sort of the hobbling and the old thing and, and an incredible actually the makeup well Great done because yeah. you makeup. did look at that and think shit you've been through the mill yeah, mate yeah, yeah. Um, and in comes Michael Caine mm. yeah and then he tells uh, he talks about how he met Kipling which was he stole his watch at a train station mm. and then realised it was a Masonic watch so he needs to return it so then he jumps onto a train does a bit of the old racism mm-hmm. yeah. Pretty brutal. Stuff. I mean, brutal. Br- br- I mean, yeah. If you're going to demonstrate racism, then yeah, yeah, kill someone. I mean, that's how he basically Except does it. I think they, they, it's a very deliberate ploy when he chucks that poor guy carrying the watermelon out of the mm. train. Yeah, you hear an "I'm all right." <laughs> well, he doesn't say that. He says, he says "Thank, thank you. you, sir." Yeah. <laughs> uh, Do you reckon they put that? I in post? didn't exactly. It's like some. Is this a bit racist? Maybe I, it's a bit too racist. I Maybe mean, we'll have him not dying. The, can you? Be, I don't think you can be a bit racist. Mm. You are yeah. either you are or yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah. Was it a racist move? Yes. Was it Chucking a bit him. of a racist move? <laughs> yeah. No, it was a racist. Should move. he murder the Indian or should he just punish the Indian? But I the think fact that the, such, yeah. but the guy goes, "Thank you yeah. for being a racist." Thank you for teaching me. I know you shouldn't laugh because it's racist mm. but I do laugh when that man gives a lovely beautiful introduction to who he is and what he does and Kane just says shut up yeah it's shut horrible up. but it does make me laugh the way int- he says it introduction's very funny because it starts with all the things he's failed doesn't it yeah. he doesn't say I've yeah. got masters in this he says failed in you know what yeah. he's failed at this he's basically, degree he's basically my LinkedIn page <laughs> um, so good for him <laughs> uh, yeah and he kicks him out of the train and then says to Kipling he was trying to steal your watch See, that's the old racist ploy in it. Blame everything on a foreigner. Mm. That's how we've got then, where we are. And then throw him out of a window. <laughs> and then throw him out of a window. Mm. And then reveals to Kipling that he is also uh, a mason. It's a very good... Uh, being a mm. mason, clearly, in those days, was a, is a really good plot device. Especially mm. if you're James Mason. You're James. <laughs> I wonder if he was. Mm. James Mason. Mason. <laughs> mason? Nominative yes. determinism. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> He basically says that, you know, this guy was trying to steal your watch. I need you. If you're going to this particular place, can you pass a message on to a guy called... Daniel Druitt. Daniel Druitt. Druitt? Druitt? Druitt. Druitt. I'm going to go Druitt. Sean Connery. Yeah. Yeah. Sir Sean. And then he says, why should I do that? And then he gives his speech. Uh, But there's beautiful Kane. People often sort of demigrate Kane's acting and think that he just turns up and says, you're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. Yeah. Mm. 
But the way he delivers this speech at the beginning mm. uh, to Kipling, you know, when he mentions how he's uh, whiskey women, waistcoats and bills of fare, all that stuff. The way oh, yeah. he delivers it in a very military mm. drill sergeant manner. Yeah, yeah. It's just electric. You can't stop watching it. So yeah. you totally believe that the, both of them were the ranks that they were in, yeah. in the British yeah. Army. You totally yeah. buy into, and you completely buy into their their relationship and the chemistry that they have between them. You absolutely mm-hmm. not one. You know, you can you start to pick holes as you said. Everyone blow the bloody doors off. Mm. Yeah, but you you're totally in there with them. God, I, I, I in my opinion, Sleuth's my favourite Kane performance. Mm. Just because <clears> he's it's a two hander. Yeah. I love two handers. But yeah. This is my other favourite Kane performance, and get Carter, but this one, because he's so, oh, I don't know what the word is, he's just so Michael Caine. I think he just gets it. Yeah. They get it. They mm. understand what they're doing. Because if you start to read it, it was interesting, because my, my, uh, one of my sons sat down with me and watched this, and you've got to persevere with the first 15 minutes, especially yes. with the Mason thing. You're going, yes. what? Mm. I don't understand what that is. <clears throat> I do, because we, yeah. you know we're slightly older. Mm. But he, my son was lost, and he kind of wandered off. And I was mm. like, shit, I wish you'd stuck around, because yeah. the payoff is so big. But once yeah. you can kind of get over that... Sort of the expositional nature and the understanding of the Masons without having to pause and go, well, a Mason is this, and this is what it means, and it is yeah. funny handshakes and weird sashes and that kind of shit. But it, it sets it up so beautifully, and you do you do buy into that. It's a really important part of the film. Yes, I'd also forgotten <clears throat> watching it again recently. Plummer when he has the meeting with that uh, old colonial fella. Yes, and he says, uh, in fact, there were rumours that Masons were here years before, you know, and you kind of forget about that. And then, of course, when that big reveal happens later in the film, and you see the Masonic symbol, you're like, oh god, yes, this yeah. is all set up at the beginning. Yeah, just in one little line. Yes, I hadn't thought about that. Actually, that's a very good point. Yeah, yeah, um, but he does, in fact, deliver the message to Sean Connery and says that Peachy's gone south for the week. Which means he wants him to meet him, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have a plan to blackpool the blackpool blackpool the, blackpool the Raja, which yeah. I, I believe is a colloquial term for blackmail. It's also mm. the title of the new Bond film. Yes, blackpool the Raja. <laughs> um, and uh, they said they were going to pose as journalists for the the Northern Star. Northern Star. Northern which he's a bit aggrieved about. He is quite. He's like, no, 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 no. I'll, I'll be a Mason up to a point. Mm. But don't fuck with the mail on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. There's a good bit of comedy there because every time he tries to shout yeah. to Connery, the train goes... Train whistle, very what? loud. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. That's yeah. what I think. Hmm? Yeah. That's a nice, yeah, nice bit of... Yeah, that's yeah. good fun. But long story short, they get arrested yeah. and they're going to get deported. But then they turn up in Kipling's office and say that they are going to go somewhere else. And then you get this lovely hats on scene. Oh yeah, mm. so good. Yeah. yeah. Well, it yeah. goes to that lovely, that just gorgeous moment, which um, is now sort of happily apocryphal about going and see John Houston when he was in in hospital, and they they got a couple of tunics and they did the whole march in and the hats off and to go and see him in hospital, which is rather than, oh really? Yeah, which I thought sort of just is a beautiful little sidebar to the yeah. nature of this film but yeah they said let's go and see John and let's do our shtick when we walk in what years after the yeah, film yeah after the film oh really because yeah, he, yeah, he died about 1990 didn't he yeah it, it was something? when I'm pretty sure it was and I can be corrected um, but it was when he was on his way out John Houston that oh, they wow. went yeah it was rather lovely that's wow. amazing mm. wow um, so yeah their plan is they're going to go to a country called Kafiristan Kafiristan mm. <clears throat> which I got wrong and they're basically just going to take over because they see it as a, what's the word? It's ripe for Ripe, thank invasion. you. My, my the mind thing is, that word. The, the, the description of what they're going to do in his response is such a, it's, it's a microcosm, not only what happens in the film, but what happened, but of empire. Mm. Because they say he finishes the plan and we're going to loot the place four ways from Sunday. Mm. And his response is, all 
out of your minds. Which is, which is, he doesn't say, <laughs> he never, never talks about the fact that it's immoral or disgraceful or dreadful thing to do. He just says it's impossible. Yeah, mm. it'll never work. Exactly. Yes. Hello. That's the whole <laughs> thing about empire is all of us, probably of our generation, were taught at school about the empire. Yeah. We're told what happened and how it happened, but we were never really told why it happened. Yes. And no one ever thought to teach us, and the children didn't. Well, I'm sure some did, but not many said, but why did we go over to Africa and India and loot their, you know, and steal all their minerals and subjugate their people and take all their things and then leave? Why did we do that? No one ever said that. Everyone just said, mm. oh, and then this has happened and this has happened. And, and so in the film, towards the end, it's questioned why they've done it. But never really particularly deeply. And it's always, but there's this question. There's, you're out of your minds. You can't, it'll be impossible. Not, well, why would you do that? That's, mm. Why should you, why, why would you subjugate? Why would two white men go and subjugate an entire nation? It's immoral. But to but. be fair to them, <clears throat> you're talking about morals. Mm. They do promise there'll be no drinking or women. <laughs> Which yeah. is actually a very nice, um, it's, <clears throat> it's a rather sweet scene when they sign that, um, uh-huh. and they sign that contract. Yeah. Um, and I love it, obviously, later on when, you know, the prospect of some hard liquor appears. Nope, nope. Yes. You know, we signed a contract and you mm. think, well, you know, one won't hurt. Um, <laughs> but they, and it's rather endearing when, mm. they, when they sign that thing and the fact that, uh, you know, they rather proudly shove it in front of Kipling and say, you sign it and then we're good. Yeah, the thing than... is, I do, I agree. It's a nice moment, but it also there's a perfect opportunity there to give the give the film a narrative drive, which they don't take. You know, the contract could say, "You bet us a certain figure that we will go and do this, and when we come back and prove that we've done it, you'll pay us this amount of money." Or, do you know what I mean? There's 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 never there are never any stakes added by that contract. That contract is we won't drink and we won't have sex with women. It's like okay, fair enough. But if the contract had been an actual wager. Which they then had to win, but then it comes. Then, to, but then that would make it a very, very different film. And in a sense, that the fact is, what was what was sort of the fact that they, what resonated that contract was that um, when he turns down the booze, it's sort of a funny moment. Mm. Um, uh, uh, but then when he decides to take Mrs. Michael Caine as his wife, um, mm. he really is breaking the contract. And so there was sort of two sides of. There was sort of a light-hearted breaking of the contract, and then it's like, oh god, he's really prepared to do that. Yeah, to break that contract. Suddenly, the contract becomes actually from a very light-hearted sort of, we're not going to do that, we're not going to drink, and we're not going to sleep with women. Yeah, um, and that's so. Th- that's for me where it really landed when he said, "I'm going to take, and I don't give a shit, and you should bow." You know, which yeah. we get to, but um, mm. but then also when we'll get to the end when they ret- when he returns to Kipling finally at the very end, Kane does. It's it, the contract's irrelevant. That's long since passed. But there's no sort of resolution in the story other than, well, we did it. Do you know what I mean? Also, he leaves the crown with Kipling, which is crazy. But yes, there's no sense point. of there's no <clears throat> sense of um, right now. You owe us the money, or now the wager is completed, or now that the narrative has ended. And I just kind of thought that maybe there was an opportunity there to give the give the film a bit more of a drive rather than it's 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 got a self it's got its own energy the plot. But it's yeah. but it's a strange moment, I think. Mm. But Kipling bumps, <clears throat> Kipling bumps into them again at a market, and they're all browned up with dreadlocks. Mm. Yes, that yeah. was a sort of a weird moment, which um, they don't, they don't, nor should they carry that through. But uh, uh, because they are for that one scene, they're heavily disguised <clears throat> by by basically blacking up. Um, Hard with a ginger man as well, Al. I would imagine. Yeah. Well, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, Kane talks about dyeing his eyelashes, doesn't he? Because he, yeah. he curses his blonde eyelashes. Well, they also give, they give, um, they definitely give uh, Connery, 
he's got a sort of whole slightly um, Johnny Depp look, Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> he thing does. going on. Yes, he does. <clears throat> he looks Maybe like he's Jeremy like. Beadle on Beadle's about. about he, he does. He as, as exactly, That's exactly what he does. Look, yeah. Bit, yeah, and he's just, yeah. You've driven my van into the river, you yeah. bastards. <laughs> But I think Kane's got something else going on as well. He's got a sort of he's got he's sort of he's got, got a, a turban, turban on, on yeah. so that helps with the blonde. Yeah. But it is it's uh, you know that morning, hello darling, into makeup. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. right. Here we go. Back no of the hands. Back of the hands. Back of the, no one would have batted an eyelid. <laughs> <laughs> it's shocking. But anyway, at least they you know they we get through that and we don't repeat it. No, but they've yeah. got loads of guns and they're going. They're going. They've got quest. a lot of guns. <clears throat> they are going on yeah, their quest. So Kipling tries to talk them out of it. But they won't have it. So in the end, he gives them a Masonic tag. Yeah, which will that'll that'll do. Not it. with a spray not with can. A spray can. No, 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 no. He's not into that. <laughs> It'd be amazing if he did. Just just the you know the eye under the uh, the under the just all over their things. Or if he just wrote if. Yeah, that dot, could be his tag. That could be. That would be if you were Kipling. That would be your tag. Just yeah. If dot dot dot. I see dot, Kipling's dot, done dot. another if dot yeah. dot dot. Like Banksy of his day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Face those Twitter notifications? Forgot to watch anything but Netflix? Dreading the video conference small talk at nine? You need a news vitamin, you know. You need the Smart 7. It's a brand new daily podcast that puts your brain into gear. Everything you need to know in less than seven minutes. You need the smarts? Hey, we got the smarts. The Smart 7, every weekday at 7 a.m. Available right now on Spotify and all the usual places. acting is really that dance he does it's because he's just got a stick basically he was told just 
waggle the stick around your head and stand on one leg for a bit and pull a couple of funny faces. And he does it, and it's absolutely convincing. Really? The kid, brilliant. The kid can move. He really mm. can. And mm. also, it's a forerunner of later on when he's the kind of when he's the the, the mad you know he's the mad king, and and Kane again is kind of pulling the strings. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that the whole the whole mad priest story is great. Really, it really well set is. Up. Well, my, my, one of my favourite scenes in the film though is when they're in the um, snowy mountains. Mm. Mm. And they go snow blind, and they have to go into that cave. Yeah, so good. So and he good. never loses a sense of humour. No, no, and they tell the funny stories to each other about when they were in the that. army. I love that. Absolutely brilliant. But, Con- mm. but Connery's there with snow blindness, and uh, you know, in the, the most atrocious weather conditions, he's going, "What's going? What's going on? What's going on?" It's, he's, there's perfect. There's no like, oh, do you know what? Fuck this. This is <laughs> this is awful. Yeah. Yeah. I can't fucking yeah. see. <clears throat> he's like, "Don't worry. There's a. There's fine. There's a snow bollocks." Yeah, yeah. That. yeah. Sorry, yeah. that's. I'm just about to go in to blow the bloody doors off. Yeah, but uh, and that little and there's an amazing. They had a real. Um, they really went for it in terms of special effects. Yes, you know, with the snow thing. Um, yeah, but it is. It's an amazing scene. That whole thing plays out beautifully on that one kind of sh- camera shot, which is just sort of up and back and. Mm. Um, on a relatively long lens and you can just see well they never lose a sense of humour there's a smile it's like every time there's basically we're done for there's like oh well Mm. yeah yeah. well even here they they feel they're done for but then there's an avalanche which actually helps them doesn't it caused by laughter so it's the perfect caused by laughter Russ Abbott was touring yeah yeah Yeah. they're not laughing now um but that, but again, you just go. There's there's something rather good, you know, the the eternal optimist. Mm, yeah. Something will work out. Yeah. A fucking avalanche yeah. creates a bridge. Yeah. Narnia. Amazing. And then they go to Kafiristan. Mm. Well, so well pronounced. Right. Thank you, right. I've like, been trained for actors. Feel like, feel like we're home. <laughs> um, where basically we meet Billy Fish after shouting at some people. And having some arrows fired at them. Which is the most superbly convenient um, plot device. Yeah. Mm. Just so happens that there is a translator on site to smooth the way. Well, he's the last member of a British expedition. Which, which, which has been set up. Mm. So it works. Yes, yeah. absolutely. It's also the only moment, I think possibly in Connery's entire career, that he attempts a very brief English accent. You're right. Because Jaffrey says over the walls, Are you Englishmen, please? And Sean Connery says, Yes, mate. <laughs> in a slightly kind of oh that sounded vaguely English see based on The Untouchables he should have got the Oscar for that <laughs> yeah. The Untouchables is an Irish accent once yeah. he's supposed to be Irish oh yeah yeah but, but, so. but knowing, knowing yeah. what a what a what a um, say furtive fervent is the correct word Scotsman that he is you can see him in that in that line mm. looking like you're going I, I don't think I can say that I'm English I can't do that uh, yeah I don't know why I'm suddenly talking like Peter Mullen or any generic Scotsman. Sorry, Scots people. I'm Scottish. Fuck it. I'm yeah, doing it. You're Scottish. You, you're uh, we've all been a little tentative about our Sean Connery impressions, by the way. I think yeah. we've just been a little bit sort of nudged towards it. So at one point, if one of you could just let loose, I'd love to hear I've it. got a line ready that I'm going to quote, uh, a Connery line, which will come up shortly, which I'm going to go from this from film. From the film, yeah, I'm going to okay. go guns blazing. I can't <clears> wait. <throat> I really can't wait. But the, Billy, I love Billy Fish. Though. He's great. He's, he's such, a, he's such yeah. a, great, a great, but he's so beautifully played. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. You feel every step of the way. You feel mm. him willing it to make. And of course, well, we'll get to that bit later. But um, I think he's just, just fabulous. He, the way he goes along with the plot the whole way through is quite weird as well, again, from a kind of post-colonial perspective. Yes. Because... In a way, it would be quite nice if he'd been, if there was evidence that he'd been treated cruelly by the people he was living with, or something, and yeah. had some sort of a, some sort of a, um, a revenge streak against them. But he sides so quickly with the English guys who want to do over everyone else, um, 
and he's on their side throughout. He's on the side of the English throughout, which kind of rings not necessarily hollow, but you think, God, this is such a colonial movie in which the only brown person who's on side is mm. immediately coerced by the English and wants to fight for them and pretend that he's a god and do everything in order to subjugate more brown people. And you think, mm. at least you could give this guy a backstory in which he was maybe enslaved or imprisoned by by the people who's, you know, so that he'd have some sort of a mm. grudge against them but he never does but he, but he celebrate he really does celebrate the film he was interviewed at a um at a, at a relatively recent um screening sort mm. of re-digitally mastered version and he was interviewed on stage about it and uh just loved it obviously the whole experience he said it's sean connery michael Caine, and me yeah yeah um and uh which was which was rather kind of fabulous. Cause yeah. I think, uh, he's one of those actors um, that I've always wanted to work with um, mm. because he's just stellar. Uh, I love the when you talk about the post-colonialism thing, though, particularly with the views of the empire, or the line when they say, are you gods? And they say, not gods, Englishmen, next best thing. Yeah, that's right. Not gods, but heaven sent to deliver you from your enemies. Yeah. That's just how everybody felt then. And at one point, um, Billy Fish says, uh, they are white men. Do not be afraid. I thought, well, that's... Don't go there. That's, that's bad. Gonna... <laughs> that's not going to work out well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, no in, in, our, in our sort of post-Brexit world, you know, there's probably a lot of people walking around going, are you gods? No, we're Englishmen. Next best thing. We run an empire, for God's sake. You know, yeah, back, back, that's right, back yeah. we go. Uh, time for a sequel, possibly. Mm. God. I tell you who else is brilliant is Uta, the guy who plays Uta. I was just going to say Uta, yeah. He is amazing. He's got no, I mean, you think, did someone walk in and go, there's our guy. He's just, he smiles and he kind of, what? And he's just brilliant. He's incredible. I don't think he's done anything else. I remember looking up on IMDb thinking, "Ah, a couple of other things. They did three episodes of Call the Midwife. (laughs) Um, Even I've been in Call the Midwife. (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking, loves. I I just can't talk to John Rain taking... Very good parts from actors. <laughs> I don't think they'd have me in anything. Um, yeah, but Utah, he's, he's got a prisoner and he's cut his bollocks off. Yeah. Not very nice. That's what they did in those harsh world. Well, I mean, Sean Connery almost had his bollocks lasered off in Goldfinger. That's so, true. You know, there is a running theme. Yeah. Perhaps it was Connery's suggestion. What you could do is uh, take his balls off. <laughs> but they are, as we mentioned about the contract at this point, they are offered... Booze, women, all men. Strong liquor, all men. A, a mm. son. He, the, the, the Uta is offering uh, either one of his 26, 28 daughters. Mm. But I've also got sons. Yeah. Mm. Fill your boots. And, yeah. Which they obviously decide no because of the contract. Again, a very sweet beach. You go, yeah. bless you two. Yeah. yeah. Um, rampaging fools. <laughs> but they, well, they, they do add, add a little caveat, don't they? Because they say no, but not until the battles are over. Which implies, so, though, but that still implies there's a lot of battles to, to, to be won. Yeah, and when he asks him, obviously, about you know what, what the enemies get up to, it's still my, one, probably my favourite, and it gets keeps being repeated, is there, because they piss in the river, mm. oh, yeah. and it hits us downstream. Bastards! And they steal our women. Yeah. yeah. And mm. it lulls you into a kind of a very, oh, this is a kind of a madcap adventure. Um, you know, the sort of post-colonial revisionist sort of watching it again. But you do go, oh, that's, oh, that's great. It's just about they pissed in the stream, and yeah. there's gold. Um, to be had, but it's uh, and it kind of always cleverly, slightly um, not undercuts, but does something to to sort of subvert that sort of. Uh, we're on just it's a caper. No, it's not. It's a caper. Mm. No, it's not. Yeah, and we yeah. keep being drawn to something <clears throat> darker, which I think. Is mm. Well, talking of which, we have Polo with a head. Well, exactly. Yeah, and that again, we we revisit that, and when we find out whose later head it is, you're like, oh right. Yeah, you know, this is a this is a dangerous environment. Different countries, different customs. Mm. Different countries, different customs. Mm. 
Uh, so then they decide, off their own backs, to teach soldiering to the village. Mm. Which goes pretty well mm. and pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, nothing much has changed in Afghanistan because that's basically what British troops were doing in Afghanistan for most of the early 2000s, was just shouting at scared-looking Afghans, Line up! Mm -hmm. One, two, three! And is the implication <laughs> then, after the end of this film, um, uh, that uh, the, uh, they, um, they will keep adopting the methods that were taught to them by Danny and Peachy or do they go do you know what although the monks you know the monks get quite well I was going to say because they, they get turn out to be heathens don't they in a way yeah because of what they do so I guess they would uh, dump quickly there as, as a memory <laughs> but also mm. they've I mean lest we forget these 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 the good people of Kafiristan have never seen a gun before that's true you know so shooting the but maybe the bird that they shoot out mm. of the sky turns out to be the seagull that sits on top of Sean Connery's head. <laughs> it's just a thought. Um, it's a good idea. Um, so, but yeah, they've never seen a gun before, which which is, you know, it's a remarkable weapon of power. In fact, a friend of mine would argue that the most significant invention of the last however many is is, is the rifle. Because mm. battles had to be, can now, could now be fought at, at distance yeah, rather yeah. than, you know, face-to-face, uh, -face, hand hand-to-hand yeah. combat. Well, there's a thought for the day. Yeah. Um, but they get, Ken gets greeted by a naked lady. Mm. Yeah. And he but says, no. No. I think he was close. Yeah. Until your man walks in. He's like, yeah. oh, no, right, no, no, absolutely. He not. says, let's go, let's go seek safety in battle. Yeah. Mm. Which, which, yeah it's a Friday night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, the, the battle's bloodier the better. Yeah, they're, they're, there's a kind of refreshingness about their um, there's battles to be fought. There's a yeah. sort of a curious fearlessness that uh, I think is probably uh, resonant in a lot of people who join the army. You know, when they're yeah. on, on on tour, <laughs> not, not as actors. I mean, maybe as actors on tour, we mm. also are fearless. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the bloodier the better. Mm. Like a Bill Kenwright tour. <laughs> yeah, but just less less well paid. <laughs> there's more gold at the end of a Kenwright tour. Sure. <laughs> I'm probably more not sure. I don't know. I'm not sure about that. Severed heads. Um, uh, there's a nice little moment there where they're having the battle and the holy men have to pass through it. Mm. So they'll have to stop. I like that. And the holy men have to do, they've all sort of got the hand on, on the shoulder in front because they close their eyes because they don't want to see any badness. Yes. Which is a pretty good way to go through life. It is. You get injured a lot. Yeah. Um, currently. I might try that walking down Tottenham Court Road on the way to the tube. You should. It, it is great yeah. that they just stop. I love me, that. When my, my brother, who was a soldier for 10 years, went to, well, served in, the, in Bosnia in 1993, mm. and he was given a list of um, Serbo-Croat uh, phrases <clears throat> that might be useful. Um, he was working for the UN, obviously, and uh, top of the list was, Stop fighting! <laughs> wow. <laughs> did Which, you use it? Did you ever I, use I it? I don't know if he did, but the idea of standing in a, in a crowded battlefield where people are starting to draw weapons and just shouting, Stop! Stop fighting at the top of your voice in the local language. And for them to go, why? This guy's right with the blue beret. Maybe that. he's right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, <laughs> useful phrase to learn. That's a good phrase to learn. Yeah. yeah. I could try that at a Weatherspoons on a Friday. <laughs> um, so but Danny gets hit by an arrow in the battle. Mm. Yeah, and gets carried away. Not, not like that. But that's a, obviously that huge moment becomes key. Yeah. And it's, it goes into his, um, his uh, Sam Brown... Bandolier, I think. Bandolier, yeah. Sam Brown, I don't think has. It's just a kind of leather belt. So bandolier. Bandolier has cartridges in it. Okay, so that's a bandolier. Sam Brown had a hit, of course, with stop. Of course, she could have done stop fighting. And Joe Brown doing the soundtrack. Yeah. Probably young enough. Yeah. 
Um, I want to go back to the bandolier. Yeah, mm. please, please. Bandolier. So describe to me, Rufus Sartorial King, a bandolier. So is basically that a leather bullet pouch? Because yeah. it was pouch, pouched rather than where you slot your bullets. No, you, I think he round. slots all the rounds into the <coughs> bandolier. Rather, Chewbacca has, you know, some mm. kind of thing. Jump, jump, so jump, you'd jump, call so. those bandoliers? <coughs> yeah, yeah. Your mate, Chewbacca. Yeah, yeah. My mate. He's on your team. He's on definitely on my team. Except mm. Chewbacca's is rather kind of like metal squares, isn't it? It's kind of rather yeah, unusual. He's got future bullets. Future bullets. We used to call them space bullets. Yes. Yeah. Um, in fact, I, I think on my, my hero costume, uh, hero costume, Rufus, mm-hmm. uh, I had um, uh, actually I had a few little space bullets um, on my little anklets. Yes, ah. you did. Um, so, um, they're called, what are those called? Putties. Yes, little space bullets, um, which I was quite—I was—I was very keen to try and steal something from Star Wars, but I found out that everything was chipped, so they could track you down. Wow! Via an iPad. Yeah, there was an extra actually um, uh, on terrible diversion. Sorry, but there was an extra mm-hmm. who who, uh, who was a um, stormtrooper and thought that, um, well, you know, fuck it, I got a blaster, so I'm gonna halfway through the day, I'm not gonna need my blaster, I'm gonna stash it behind a bin and then get it at the end of the day. Mm. And uh, yeah, the guy had a the props guy just went. Uh, yeah, that's fine. It was the same thing from the Goldfinger car. Yeah. So that we got it. He they knew who it was. It was signed to him. Fire. So all the props had chips in, so they could never get missing. Wow. Blimey. Yeah, everything. And I, so I, I got a bit sort of uh, paranoid and thought that my costume. So I never trousered anything from Star Wars. Apart from no. the trousers. Yeah, and the twelve million dollar paycheck. So when I did a, a, a convention with Paul, can't remember his surname, played Greedo. Uh, Greedo the killer pimp. That's right, the mm, guy with yeah. the green head who holds a gun to Han Solo. And he who said says he, Java one inch a cock. <clears throat> and he, he kept the gun because he said yeah. things were a bit lax at L Street. Yeah. And he was allowed to keep the gun. And I said, So what did you do with it? He said, Well, I gave it to my kids to play with. Uh and a bit broke off the end at one point. And then it just got so tatty and fell apart, so I threw it away. Oh he said God. someone had approached him a few years ago and said, Have you still got that gun? When will I used to? He said, Oh, I'll buy it off you. How much? And he said, Paul said, seven hundred and fifty thousand pounds, which I think's a bit steep. But I think probably six figures, I would say, probably. Mm. Toby Stevens <clears> has <throat> got he certainly had when we we were at drama school together and uh, went round to his house. Toby Stevens' mother, Maggie Smith, father, yes. Robert Stevens. And um, I think Maggie Smith was doing a film while they were doing the first um, Star Wars. I remember going into his room, and there was one of, I guess there were several, one of the original um, Darth Vader helmets just on his... And I think wow. someone is sort of gave it to his mum because of something, and there it was. I thought, shit, that's cool. Mm. God, I hope you still got it. Or flogged it. Yeah. He was a Bond villain. He was. Mm. Yeah, he was. Gustav Graves. Gustav Graves. Dine of the day. Dine of the day, that's right. Shared, yeah. shared, shared sharing the part with uh, Rick Yoon. Yoon. Yoon? Yoon. I think. I think it was Y-U-N-E. Yoon. Yes, I think you're yeah, right. Yeah, so shared part. I mean, what mm. did you do at the read-through? Do you go, shall I follow you? Or do you follow me? Yeah. I can't like some dime. He has to get face. on his back. Yes. <laughs> Carry him everywhere. He, d- he does. Yeah. It's quite sad. It's good. And that's end of part one of this episode of Smirchpod. We'll be back later in the week with part two. So please stick around. But in the meantime, why not like, subscribe, review, enjoy, share, tell everybody you like. And, you know, why not even buy Thunderbook? Hey, why not? See you next time.
Oh, hello you. My name's Tom Price. Hello, I'm Dave Cribb. You should come and join us. Every day we do a podcast called Cabin Fever, where we talk to loads of comedians who've had to cancel everything else in their lives. So they come on our podcast instead, don't they, Dave? Yeah, it's an isolation podcast. Uh, it's Dave, were you yawning the at the start of that sentence then? Was it just a little yawn? Yeah, it's basically the Great Big Owl isolation podcast. We'll have people on from all our podcasts, from your Ruler Threes, your Brian and Rogers, your Musicals, your Bitchins. If you like any of our podcasts, if you like any of those people, chances are they'll be logging onto the Zoom call and just chatting because, let's face it, they got nothing else to do. Also, there'll be a quiz on the bell. All right, see you soon. Lots of love. Cabin F-E-A-3709. Oh, 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 that's our Twitter name. Great Big Owl. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.